It's time Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Here's your need-to-know news. Yeah, and as I said here at the top of the show, it is official. Zach Eady is back at Purdue, withdrawing his name from the NBA draft before the deadline at 11.59 last night. The National Player of the Year simply tweeted, brought it back with this Wolf of Wall Street gift. He's back in the show. Let's go! Cubs yesterday, they missed the sweep of the Rays 4-3. to That's the final. Suzuki with a 2-for-4 day. He wraps that series 5-of-10 and a pair of runs. The real, knows, uh, the, real knows. the real news, though, is what happened to Justin Steele. Dealing with some forearm discomfort and pulled uh, as a precaution after throwing uh, a couple of uh, perfect innings. Steele will stay in Chicago today for testing. He'll get an MRI. Team's going to head out on a 10-game road trip starting in San Diego tomorrow. Now, it's likely he could rejoin the team there. Just depends on what the tests do show. David Ross, after the game, said uh, he wasn't too terribly concerned. If he is unable to make his next start, uh, Hayden Wesneski could be in line. Uh, He threw 59 pitches in relief yesterday. Uh, But on the bump, though, for you tomorrow, it's Jameson Tyen versus uh, Michael Waka. Cubs have yet to win a tie and start this season. Be brutal. It's got to happen sometime, right? You can't lose. Can you? How many is that for him? Has he had like, has he had 10 starts? How many, how many exactly has he had? He's 0 for 3 on the season with an 8.04 ERA and a 1.69 whip. But he's had, let's see here, he, he's five this uh, month and three last month. So he's got eight starts. Yeesh. His ERA is 10.9 this month in those five starts. Don't like that. White Sox get pummeled yesterday by the Angels of Shohei Otani. Homers twice. 12 to 5, the final at uh, guaranteed low rate. Lance Lynn, four innings, eight hits, eight earned, four Ks, three homers allowed. What the heck happened? He had been better. He had a couple of starts where you started to say, okay, well, maybe he's kind of figured this out because it was a rough start for him. And then it seemed like he had maybe gotten it back on track. Because his ERA for the month of May in his five starts was eight. And he had started to have that tick back down. But he gave up eight earned in that one. That is a season high. He had just given up three runs in his previous two starts. Back to the old him, man. That stinks. Um, Angels would hit five home runs on the game. 
Roman Gonzalez's three-game homer streak also came to an end. He was an 0-for-4 appearance. Just him and Gavin Sheets, the only batters for the White Sox, did not record a hit. Berger hit homer number 11 in the ninth inning. The Sox off today. They're going to host the Tigers tomorrow at 8-10. Call up Reese Olsen. Hits the mound. No pitcher declared yet or expected for the uh, Sox. I mean, I expect they will have a pitcher. (laughs) They just haven't told anybody who it's going to be yet. The Aviators, they took their season opener last night at Loeb Stadium. 8-7 over Chillicothe. A two-run walk-off single in the 10th by Michael Scott does the trick. Scott, 3-for-3 on the night. Joe um, Olzaveski. I got that right. Uh, Stole four bases as well. Flyboy pitchers combined for 12 strikeouts on the day. The Paints scored seven, but only three got charged to the pitching staff. Uh, Their very most hated rival. The Terre Haute Rex are in town night at Loeb with a 7 p.m. first pitch. Uh, Rex won their opener on the road last night in Danville. 16-4 they beat up on the dance. Yeesh. And that right there is uh, today's Need to Know News. All right, very exciting stuff. You know, we've got the uh, NBA playoffs back tonight. We are also on a two-game or two-day winning streak here this week. We hit Tuesday, we hit Wednesday. What was yesterday's bet again? I just I just remember we hit it. Oh, the Keller. The Keller strikeout prop. So Mitch Keller gets it done for us here. We're ready to go again tonight. Um, our friends over DraftKings have a slew of stuff going on for the NBA Finals. The Superstar Boost with Joe Kitts, 25 points, uh, and Butler, 20-plus points, boosted to plus 100 tonight. You can also boost your winnings up to 100% with your stepped-up same-game parlay legs. Uh, that's just in the NBA. Now, you can also get an 18% profit boost on the Memorial Tournament, which, by the way, um, I hope you were listening on a, you know, Talk about Adam Shank yesterday. Hurry up and use that 18% boost while you still can. You can still take him to get into, I got him earlier, to get into the top 10 at plus 20, uh, no, it's uh, at plus 900. I use the boost and it gets me to 1062. 10 bucks going to pay out over 100 if he finishes in top 10. So you can use that. Right now, uh, it's changed up a, a little bit since I did that. I also took him to win round one because he got off to a good start. It's like 25 to 1 to win round one. He started really late. Now he's two under through five. The leader in the clubhouse is at four under. And he's bringing up the rear here. Now there's one, two, three, four. There's five golfers in front of him that are all sitting at two under that are still early and out on the course. Everybody else, it's final. And there's maybe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's about ten behind him right now that are one under uh, that are on the course here as, as well, too. So... Quite honestly, I didn't think it was a bad idea to take him to, uh, I, I just sprinkled a little bit on him to to win the first round. And uh, I took a little I guess a little $10 shot on him to finish top 10. Great odds. You can still do that. And again, 18% boost on any bet that you want to make here on anybody. 
75 to 1 right now to win, 14 to 1 top 5, and uh, uh, 6 to 1 on the top 10 finish. And I believe you could still take him to win round one. You just got to go under tournament lines, round finishing, scroll on down to Adam. Did I pass him? I was trying to I was trying to get you the most updated ones. He's doing pretty good here. So I'm assuming, yeah, he's down to 10 to 1 right now. You can still get 10 to 1 on him to win this first round. It's like the third best odds. And he's been good early on in these tournaments. So I just want to make you aware. Now, what are we doing in the NBA tonight? I'm going to tell you what the bet is. You ready for this? We're going to take. Joker to outscore Hemi Buckets. That's right, Jimmy Butler. Joker over Jimmy Butler. If you want to find that bet, you just go over your NBA, you bring up that game, scroll that top part all the way over till you get to the uh, H2H. H2H player props. Go down on your points there. And you're going to get down to Jimmy Butler taking on Joker. And you're going to pay about minus 130 here to take Jimmy, uh, to take uh, Joker a half a point more than Jimmy Butler. That is the bet here. Butler was averaging 35.5 points per game in six games in the postseason. Then he got hurt. And then his point total slipped to 24.6 in the 11 games since. Over the last five games, it's down to 22 and a half. Now, he was actually favored early on. If you got this earlier on in the week, he was actually favored to outscore Jokic. But the man has put some, I really think that that Celtics series took some out of him because they played a couple of very unnecessary games. Joker's got a little bit more, I think a day more rest than he does as well. I think that's going to play tonight. So minus 130, that is my NBA bet tonight. Joker to outscore Jimmy Butler. You can get it about minus 130 right now. Um, I don't know what I... There's Baseball is just... Most of the stuff was this early on in the day. There are a few games here tonight. There's not a ton that I'm super excited about in baseball this evening because it's been mainly an afternoon schedule. Like, should have been on Toronto. Should have been on the Mets. Um, I like Arizona tonight. I like Hunter Green over six and a half. Give me Hunter Green over six and a half strikeouts tonight. Go ahead and give me Arizona as well. Those are my other two bets for this evening. Let's go. All right? So, we're going to take Joker to outscore Jimmy Butler. We're also going to take Arizona over Colorado. We're going to take Hunter Green over the six and a half strikeouts, which is about even money right now, which is great. I think it's actually the plus. I think I got plus money earlier today. 
there you go. And if you're feeling froggy, I kind of like, I, I hate to say this, I kind of like Cleveland at plus money tonight. I kind of like the Guardians at plus 120. I feel like I could take a flyer on that one. So there you go. Those are I'm not I'm I'm putting that one on my card. I mean, I am putting it on my personal card. I'm not going to put it on the show card here, but Hunter Green over six and a half strikeouts. I'll take Arizona tonight in that one and then uh we'll take Butler. I'm sorry, Joker to outscore Butler tonight uh on uh the NBA Finals game 1. Best of luck to you. Take advantage of those props as well. Uh, over with my friends at DraftKings. We're going to take this little time out. When we come back, Zach Eady is back. What does that mean for Purdue? And a major record, is it in reach for Zach Eady here? All right, we're going to try to put some things in perspective for you. That's next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. You can always reach out on the Hammerhead hotline by texting to 765 447 4080. That's 765 447 4080. Feel free to reach out and uh, join the conversation. Zach Eady has announced that he will return uh, this fall to Purdue basketball. That is uh, big time. Uh, I know a lot of people were juggling with this, uh, whether or not they thought this was a good idea, bad idea. I I just, I understand people's concerns. I understand the points that people have made with this. However, I'm just having a hard time getting past not being excited that the National Player of the Year has decided to play another year here at at Purdue. I think a lot changes too, and, and we sort of touched on this a little bit Um yesterday that, you know, if he comes back, what would happen? I think the offense opens up a little bit more. I think guys like, you know, Fletcher Lawyer was struggling kind of with like that calf issue and stuff. I think the shooting from the perimeter gets a little bit better. I think adding in a Miles Colvin and a Cam Heidi is very intriguing. Because that's a level of athleticism I think that was missing from this squad last year. And and you add that immediately. I think, too, that maybe in coming back, some of the feedback that Zach may have gotten from the NBA about what his you know what they need to see out of his game to get him into that first round where he can get that guaranteed contract might be on display and that be might be, you know, some jump shooting there from the uh you know from the wing a little bit. Things of that nature. I think having him return still makes you the favorite in the Big Ten. I know some people seem to be very big on Michigan State all of a sudden. But I'm going to stay with the team that just won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament, won the Big Ten by how many games? And they've only lost, you know, Brandon Newman, which, you know, bless him, great guy and a contributor, but that's not your starter and that's not the largest, not a guy that ate up a ton of minutes last year for you that you're, you know, worried about in that position. But it does come down to, uh, it is a, a question that you have to ask. 
where do the minutes go per game? Especially the five when you're going to have Edie Berg and Trey Kaufman run. I don't know that there's going to be a lot for Berg out there. If anybody probably loses in this decision for Zach to come back, and I don't like to look at it like that, but you know those minutes need to be eaten up, and Will might be the guy kind of left out. Ethan Morton could be another guy that gets left out of the rotation a little bit more. I mean, you pretty much know what you're doing at point guard right now, right? You'd hope that Fletcher Lawyer maybe put on a little bit of size and uh, continue to be a, a good two for you. you, you know, you're going to insert Cam Heidi and you're going to insert Miles Colvin in there at the three. So when I look at this, I say, boy, maybe Berg's the guy that uh, you, you have some issues with. Now, here's some good news for you. Is you do have the European trip coming up. And with all of these pieces that you have, this is going to be the toughest part for Matt Painter. Is how does he put that all together? How do you discover what works? And to get yourself these extra games is is it's huge for you at this at this juncture. Absolutely huge. Because you need to find who vibes with what, what style of play works. If you need to switch something uh up, you know, defensively, offensively, who does good, what, where, who vibes with who, who doesn't vibe with who. And we're talking about what? Two, four, six, eight, ten, maybe like eleven guys that you have to consider getting playing time for. So you have eleven different pieces here. How does it all work? Now the interesting thing here, and I didn't realize he was as close as he was. I knew that when Carson Edwards went to the league, had he stayed for another year, I thought he could have gotten the Purdue all-time scoring record. He finishes seventh at nineteen hundred and twenty. Rick Mount owns the scoring record at twenty three hundred and twenty three. So yeah, Carson comes back and scores 400 points. That wasn't going to be a problem. But now the question is, can Zach Eady become that guy? He's 23rd with 1,533. He needs 791 points. To pass Rick Mount, 791. Last year, 757 points. And that's not inconceivable because he goes out the first round of the NCAA tournament. I think it's a little bit of a tall order because with the supporting cast that you've got around here and I, I truly think that guys like um, 
like Colvin and Heidi are going to demand some more attention because of what they're going to be able to do, I get the sense that maybe this could be a slightly more balanced Purdue basketball team. However, you got to take a look at who, who are the other big men that are left in the Big Ten. Hunter Dickinson is gone. Trace Jackson Davis is gone. I'm down to Stephen Crawl. Coleman Hawkins? I mean, who are you who are you truly worried about as a big man? That's the thing that 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 sticks out to me the most there is um there's obviously that opportunity there the 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 ceiling is very high here for Purdue very very high and if you thought expectations were high last year I think they go even higher specifically because of what Virginia did when they lost to a 16 seed they go on to win the national championship that following year sky high We got a texter in here, so Edie is coming back. Nothing will change because we still have the same coach. One man's opinion. But the expectation level is so, so high here. I don't know that he's going to repeat as National Player of the Year. I think that's extremely difficult to do. I think, too, with the uh, that kind of attention and all that, I, I just get the sense that unless he is so dominant like he was last year, and so I think somebody else is going to stand out and there's going to be something bright and shiny and new. Maybe he won't get that hype anymore. But I definitely feel like you know they, they should be the preseason favorite. He will be the pre uh, the Big Ten preseason conference player of the year. It'll be on whatever Naismith trophy watches and all that stuff, too. It's good for Purdue. I I honestly think it's good for Purdue. Expectations should be high. And expectations should be met. We got a break here. We'll come back. Hey, more of the Hammer Down Show. That's next here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. You can always reach out to me here on the Hammerhead hotline at uh, 765-447-4080. Send in those texts at 765-447-4080. It's uh, super simple there to do. Uh, You continue here, too. Uh, I had somebody point out here. That uh, Rutgers big man, Cliff is coming back. Yeah, I forgot about him. He is good. That's just a class big, strong, um, you know, post guy there. He's tough. Maybe I, you know, I might have done, I might have done Stephen Crawl a little bit dirty there. Perhaps I need to give him a little bit more credit. Like he just, 
He seems a little bit raw, and a little bit slow at times, but I think he's a he's sneaky better. He's, he's he's an old guy at the YMCA. He's just slightly better than you realize that he is. I'm not ready to try to put him on like first team Big Ten or anything. But I feel like he's he's one of those guys where I'm like, he's got to be... I'll go back and take a look at the uh, at the logs from the year. But perhaps I, I may have to go back and say, eh, maybe I did him wrong. So, I mean, he had some games last year. He had 30... I know it's Bradley in the NIT, but he had 36 of that one. That's big. He had 36, 14, 9, and 10 in the NIT games. Uh, last game of the regular season dropped 21 on Minnesota. A 14 on Michigan. 14 on Ohio State. 21 on Penn State. But then again, you knew Penn State couldn't do anything on the inside. But he had a run, like in December, that was like 12 against Maryland, 12 against Iowa, 15 against Lehigh, 25 against Western Michigan, 17 against Minnesota, 20 against Illinois, and 19 against Michigan State. Like, you get a little taste In 15 and a loss to Wake Forest. Maybe I did him a little bit dirty. Just a little bit. Well, we're still awaiting this news on uh, Justin Steele, as you Cubs fans. Boy, what do you... I don't know. The longer it goes, if it's bad, I, I don't know. Like, I think we all assume when you're like, hey, he's going to go get an MRI. You know, we hear these athletes, like, they're in their first thing, like 6 a.m., doctor's office is open, they take him straight in there get the scan, and then everybody knows about it. I don't know what time they were scheduling him to do it. But, I mean, losing him would be absolutely terrible for their hopes here because I honestly thought they were uh, they were going off at like 9-10-1 to 1 just last week. To get themselves uh, the central title. And you take a look around, and I think we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. You take a look around, uh, you know, at the NL Central, it's not exactly filled with teams that scare the crap out of you. I mean, Milwaukee's at 29 and 27, and they lead this thing. Their run differential is minus 26. You're in dead last in the Central. You're only four and a half back. No, part of your problem was the bats had cooled down, but your pitching got better. And that's really what had been saving the Cubs here. And I thought, you know, you, you look at the lineup and you say, it's going to come back around. You felt like there, there was enough um, good hitters on that team. It's just they weren't getting on base enough to get the runs in. Which is odd because they're on base percentage. They're fifth in Major League Baseball and on base percentage. They're not getting them in. And, you know, the slugging's at 13th. They're just they're leaving people on base left and right. They're, those aren't terrible stats for hitting. And then when you take in consideration that Justin Steele is uh, third in 
the National League right now in ERA, and Stroman is second in the league in ERA. You had two really, really good starters. You were hopeful that Kyle Hendricks could get back to decent enough form that you could kick out one of these guys uh, at the bottom and, and improve the rotation that way. And still, that is yet to be determined on whether or not that is, that is capable. But I thought you had a you had a path there. So it's four and a half. We haven't even hit the All Star break. That is especially in this division where nobody wants to be any lick of good. And you look at who is on this roster. You say to yourself, boy, they should be contending, right? 100% they should be contending. Wisdom should be better than 213 at the plate right now. I get that. I mean, even down to the bottom, Ian Gomes is hitting 270. Suzuki's hit himself a nice little stride right now. Bellinger's got seven home runs. Wisdom's already up to 14. He was hot, but now he's slowed down. He's only hitting 213. You called up Mervis. There was a whole lot of hype there, and he has kind of fizzled out. He's been figured out a bit. You're... Sticking Morell down, I, you figure eventually they have to realize that the guy doesn't miss at the. I mean, he keeps on getting hits every game that you got to bump him up. You figure David Ross would figure that out eventually. But the way it had been going, you know, he thought, hey, the, the pitching's coming into form here. It was starting to look better. Especially with when you, you were looking at your third leg and, and Drew Smiley, I mean, even Smiley's been good. And when you got that kind of pitching and, and you know the kind of bats that you have there, I thought it was only a matter of time before they really started to put it together. But if you take Steele out of the mix and the hitting wants to say mediocre-ish, well then that's that's... A lot of trouble. That is a lot of trouble. So yeah, if I'm a Cubs fan, I mean, I am praying on everything that is holy that Justin Steele is going to be okay. I know David Ross said he wasn't concerned, but I would be concerned that my uh, arguably... You know, one of my, I should say arguably, I mean, he's the number two pitcher. He was your number one pitcher for a while, and Stroman really kicked in. I would be very concerned that the unit that was carrying this team, a very, very big cog in that wheel, has to get an MRI. I, I, I don't know how you filled that void. I was already hoping at the at the deadline, you were going to be able to get yourself uh, another arm into that rotation. Now 
now it might be an absolute necessity if you have to shut down Justin Steele for the rest of the year. An absolute necessity. And I don't really, outside of uh, Otani, I don't know what is available at the trade deadline. It's a little bit early, but boy, that's going to be pretty darn expensive if they do indeed look to move him. Are the Cubs willing to pay that price? Again, it's all too early to speculate. we got to get the results back. But I think one of the things we can all agree on is if this is bad news for the Cubs, this is bad news for the Cubs. Very bad news for the Cubs. Because your absolute worst-case scenario here is is that Kyle Hendricks doesn't round back into form. It's just been two starts. To be fair, he's only given up four runs in nine innings. You need to see that improvement. But let's say he doesn't improve, and you don't have Justin Steele, and you're relying on Hayden Wesniski and then James Tyant, James and Tyant on the bottom half of that rotation. And you're looking at what? Having to slide up Alzale? Having to slide up uh, lighter, maybe? I mean, your your best bullpen arms? I, I like it. Keegan Thompson? No. Can't do it. Absolutely can't do it. You need him. If you want to make that run to an NL title, you want to make the playoffs, you 100% have to have Justin Steele. If they sit him for um, one spot in the rotation, right, give him a little extra time, that's fine. But he cannot be out long-term, and the Cubs still expect to go out there and uh, make a march towards the NL Central crown. just can't happen. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Things we missed and more coming up next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer. Big thank you for listening. Big thank you to all of our texters as well. Like having fun with you guys. Even even if it's uh, you're not happy about something, I still love hearing from you guys. I still love talking with you guys, and I appreciate you guys listening. I truly do. All right, I hope you're listening at the beginning of the show because uh, did I tell you? Did I tell you about Adam Shank? Did I? Did I? Did I throw that out there? Did I say take him to win the first round? What's he doing right now? Guess what? Four under tied for first. One guy, Luke uh, Donald, at uh, three unders on twelve. Uh, Adams through seven. Jordan Spieth is two under through 10. And that's essentially what you're dodging right now. I told you you should take them. I hope you used the 18% boost and took them top 10. Now we'll see what happens on the next couple of rounds. But that's a good start by Adam. You'll love to see it. He started on the back nine here. Birdie 10, 12, and now 15 and 16. Hot right now. Let's go. And it looks like uh, Matt Wallace, who was the leader, was great on the front nine or on the uh, front nine. Terrible on the back nine. I'm trying to look at all these other cards here too and see how they did. Let's see if there's any kind of consensus. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of these leaders here have been great through the front nine and terrible on the back nine. We'll keep an eye on it. But, hey, that's a great start for uh, 
Adam. Uh, we'll uh, root him on, and uh, we'll see where he's at tomorrow. All right, new rumors here that uh, it's all but a done deal that Colorado is going to head to the Big 12. Really now? This would be great news, I think, for the Big 10. Because now it makes it easier for a school like, I know they like Washington. You know, we God, we should find that conversation from a couple of months ago. We talked about, you know, Washington being that big target. That possibly Oregon. Um, but I thought Stan, uh, Stanford would be better over Cal, but them being together and being in California, you wonder if, if Stanford goes to a private institution, that California would let Cal jump as well. Um, but this could be the start of more dominoes, and you don't want to be the one left on the West Coast holding the bag when there's no conference. Oh, and by the way, Notre Dame just joined that uh, AAU thing. You, you know that big um, academic un- union thing that they have with all the like best academic schools, and that's always been one of those accreditations that the Big Ten wants those schools to have in order to join it. Yeah, Notre Dame just got it. So there you go. You know they want Notre Dame. You know the ACC wants Notre Dame. I don't know if the SEC wants to mess with it. I don't know if they want to mess with the SEC. I'm sure they would like to stay independent, but the SEC is going to take out all this money, and the Big Ten is going to take all this money out of the uh, out of the ecosystem. You wonder just how much is left for a Notre Dame football program, and what they can get. It it might be it might start to be worth it to join a conference. You'll love to see it. That'll do it for the show today. Hey, a good one here, too. We're going to be back again. Oh, I don't know. Let's. Uh, you just want to go ahead and pencil down Friday for about uh, 3 o'clock. Uh, we'll check in on Adam and see how he's doing. We've got uh, you know baseball regionals and stuff this weekend we'll have to uh, talk about. And I'm sure a few other things might just pop up here. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. And we're back tomorrow again with the Hammer Down Show, 3 p.m., 1017thehammer, 1017thehammer.com. See you tomorrow.